Deuteronomy chapter 31, verses 1 through 8. Joshua to succeed Moses. Then Moses went out and spoke these words to all Israel. I am now 120 years old, and I am no longer able to lead you. The Lord has said to me, you shall not cross the Jordan. The Lord your God himself will cross over ahead of you. He will destroy these nations before you, and you will take possession of their land. Joshua also will cross over ahead of you, as the Lord said. And the Lord will do to them what he did to Sihon and Og, the kings of the Amorites, whom he destroyed along with their land. The Lord will deliver them to you, and you must do to them all that I have commanded you. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them. And you must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you and, you, and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Seb. Now, I think the kids are now heading out to the small hall, and Mark's going to speak to us. Well, I'm just looking down at the, um, uh, the large Woolrich contingent here this morning, and that must mean that it's the uh, Woolrich uh, birthday weekend. So, uh, happy birthday to Malcolm and Karina. It's uh, great to have... It's, I always get nervous when you point out someone's birthday because it's always somebody else's birthday that you don't know. It was like that's right, that's right, that's right. It's like this week, Liz's birthday was on the day of playgroup, and um, one of the kids pointed out that it was their birthday, but Liz uh, didn't feel like she wanted to swoop in and take the the birthday glory. So happy birthday to Liz as well for this week. Well, I want to catch you up to speed with Old Testament history and uh, whilst this might be a subject that we do at at, uh, Bible College for six months, I'm going to do it in ten minutes or less for you. So how about I pray (laughs) and uh, then we'll get into the topic for this morning. Well gracious God, we praise and thank you for your story that's revealed to us through the scriptures and Lord whilst uh, we uh, often Uh, hear about Moses and we know some of the key figures of the Old Testament. Lord, uh, none of them compare to Jesus. And so, Lord, as we uh, listen to this uh, story of Joshua, may it be a message to us that points us to Jesus. So, come Holy Spirit, fill us and bring us to a deeper understanding of your story in the Old Testament. And we make this prayer in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, if you think about the Old Testament, uh, some of the pivotal parts of the Old Testament would come around Moses. Because uh, Moses uh, comes along when they've been in uh, slavery in Egypt. And after Moses comes the time where they inhabit the land that was promised to them. And so, in a way, of the Old Testament... Moses is a pivotal figure, but Joshua becomes a figure that ushers in the new 
season of the Israelites having land. So I'll take you back over the Old Testament, but I'm not going to go all the way back to the beginning. I'm just going to say that uh, we get that the, the Hebrews end up in Egypt and uh, Pharaoh takes the, Egypt, uh, the Hebrews and makes them slaves. And so Moses uh, comes up in the court of Pharaoh, but then God calls him to call the Israelites out of uh, slavery. And so just without going into all of it, uh, Moses goes to Pharaoh, asks to let the people go. Moses uh, keeps asking, keeps asking. God sends a whole series of plagues that ends up in the, the death of Pharaoh's son. And eventually, uh, Pharaoh says that the Hebrews can go. And so, the Hebrews gather a whole lot of things with them and they leave to go wandering out in the desert to go out of slavery. And as they go out of slavery, God actually has to form them into a nation that He wants them so that when they go into the land that was promised to them, they can actually become the nation that God wants them to be. So, their wandering in the desert becomes about being formed to be the nation that God wants them to be and God wants them to be a nation under Him. He doesn't want them to be a nation under a king, but that's another story for another day. But He wants them also to have land as a nation, He doesn't want them to be a mobile nation, so He's promised them the land. And the Israelites go walking through the desert and they get to a point where it's time for them to enter into the land that God had promised to them. And so Moses selects a whole lot of his assistants and sends them in to the promised land to be spies and check out what's going on. And Joshua, who's a young man, is one of those. And they all go in, these spies go in, and they come back afraid and discouraged because they say the Canaanites are giants. Remember that, they come back afraid and discouraged. And so, Joshua is one of the ones who says, no, 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 we, 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 we can take this land. God has promised us that we can take this land, therefore we should enter in. Moses listens to the more senior spies and they get afraid and discouraged and they won't go into the promised land. God says, because of your afraid and discouraged, you're not going to be able to enter into the promised land until all of you who are part of that generation die out. And so, slowly, over the next 40 years, they have to wander in the desert as they die out and this new generation rises up who don't know slavery, don't know life in Egypt, but they also don't have this fear and discouragement of the spies. And so, we get to this point in Deuteronomy where they're ready to go into the Promised Land as the new generation, the new generation that don't know slavery, they are ready to go into the Promised Land, but because of Moses' uh, distrust of God, he's not able to enter into the Promised Land. It's time for Moses, who was one who said, no, no, we can take this. It's time for him to receive the leadership of the Hebrews and take the people into the Promised Land. And that's what we're going to study over the next few weeks.
as we look at the life of Joshua. Now, we're not going to do all of the book of Joshua, it's, it's a lot in there, but we're going to look at some of the key stories that help us unpack. And there's this transition point in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy is the last bit of Moses before he hands over to Joshua and hands the Israelites over to uh, go into the promised land and he stays out of the promised land, it's his last bit of encouragement. And he had, in Deuteronomy, he has this sense of blessings and curses. If you follow the ways of God, you'll be blessed. If you do what God has asked you to do, you'll be blessed. If you go your own way and you're disrespectful to God and you, you, you don't follow the ways of God, then God's blessing is going to be withdrawn from you and therefore you'll be at the whim of your own direction, but also you'll be exposed to other nations who will want to come and control you. And so Moses in Deuteronomy is giving his last encouragement to them before he goes uh, to be with God. And then he hands over to Joshua, and Joshua is the one who's going to take them into the promised land. As Joshua uh, receives this from Moses, it's important to know that there's this encouragement to be strong and courageous. I, I called this series Strong and Courageous because Moses, as he's encouraging the, 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 the ancient Hebrews to take up their promised land, he's asking them to be strong and courageous because the previous spies that he sent in there were afraid and discouraged. And so Moses here in this passage says to, uh, says to them, do not be afraid, He's probably knowing that they don't remember the spies who were afraid of the Canaanites and do not be discouraged. So to get to the application, then we'll get back onto the story. Maybe some of us need this encouragement. Maybe some of us are, are going through something where it's a really challenging time and we're discouraged because we're not seeing the breakthrough that we want to see. And, and the team that have been praying on Saturday mornings, uh, we've had weeks and weeks and weeks of praying and it seems like everyone who sends us a prayer request, it's like, oh, we're praying this, we're praying this and we're not seeing the breakthrough. But on Saturday, we prayed some prayers where we had seen some breakthrough. And when we don't see the breakthrough, it's important not to get discouraged. But just like the ancient Hebrews are going into the promised land and they actually have to take over the land. It's not like a vacant land, they have to take it over. And that will be part of the story that we'll unpack over these coming weeks. Maybe they get afraid by that. And maybe there's a task that you've got on your horizon and you're afraid. Maybe you're afraid of taking on that task. And this book, going through the story of Joshua and how God encourages Joshua might be some encouragement to you. And so, in many ways, we need to, before we get into the rest of, the rest of what we're going to talk about, Joshua, I just want to give you a few little snapshots of Joshua. Joshua was actually a young and energetic leader when the spies first went in. And, and he, maybe, maybe because he was young, maybe he was like fit and ready and he was up for a fight. 
I mean, it's, it's common for, for young guys to kind of be energetic and charge at something at, at like, like, a, like a bull at a gate. And, and maybe that's, that's the story of Joshua. Maybe he was, he was ready for a fight and he was kind of saying, yeah, let's go and take them on. But I, I suspect that he also had a strong faith where, where he had heard growing up that God was with the people and he's kind of like, well, God is with us and if God is calling us to enter into the promised land, l- let's do it. Let's trust that God is with us. And so he's a young leader and he's, he's up for a battle, but, but he's also got a strong faith where he's ready to trust in God. He's a strong leader who also has some military experience and as they go through the desert, it's not like they, they don't have any skirmishes at all. And so Moses is somebody who actually helps, uh, uh, sorry, Joshua is somebody who helps in the military defence of the ancient Hebrews. Moses was an understudy or, or an assistant to Moses and uh, Joshua sort of sat at the feet and, and learned from Moses as they went on their travels. So he's seen one of the best leaders in Old Testament history and he's learnt from him and so he's kind of picked up some of that DNA. He's been taught by one of the great leaders of ancient Israel and he's become somebody who's been formed by Moses and seen that. But the Scriptures also tell us that Joshua had spiritual authority because he'd been to the tent of meeting. Remember, they don't have a a, a physical church to meet in, the tent of meeting goes with them as they travel and they set it up each time and that's where God dwells when they're in camp. And Joshua had spiritual authority because he'd been at the tent of meeting. Joshua also had a relationship with God and he was willing for God to be his leader. So in some ways, he wasn't just a big fan of Moses. Moses had pointed Israel to God, their leader, because they didn't have a king. Moses wasn't a king. And so Moses had pointed Israel to God, their leader, And Joshua was happy to be led by God. Joshua seems to be the leader that the ancient Hebrews needed to lead them into the promised land. He trusted God, he had spiritual authority, he had moral character and he also seemed to have the the military skills to be able to lead the people as they take over this task of taking over the promised land. And so it's time for Moses to hand the baton on. And Moses, at this time, is an old man. He's an old man and he's ready to let the people go into the promised land. Sometimes when you do a tour of Israel, um, one of the ways that you can do it is you can actually fly into Jordan and uh, there's a point where you can actually uh, sit in Jordan on one of the mountains and look over the promised land. And they say, I mean, it's hard to really know because the the Bible actually tells us that the the death place of Moses was secret so that the people couldn't go back out of the promised land and worship Moses at a particular grave spot. But there's a point where they say Moses looked over the promised land, knew the land that the people were going to inherit and then he hands it on to Joshua and Joshua is the one that takes them 
across the Jordan and into the Promised Land, which we'll read about in the weeks ahead. But Moses, it's important, and, and, uh, and I've not really understood this fully in, in my understanding of the Old Testament before, so I want to clarify it for you today. Moses, even though he was an old man, apparently the Bible says that he was strong enough, that he had, he had, the, forti- he had the physical skills to be able to lead them if God wanted them to lead into the Promised Land. It's not his old age that stops him leading them into the Promised Land, it's the fact that he'd been unfaithful and untrustworthy of God and God said, no, you're not allowed to enter the Promised Land. It's his lack of spiritual authority that stops him from leading the Israelites into the Promised Land. And so, God chooses the leader that God wants to lead the people into the Promised Land and it's not Moses who led them out of slavery, it's actually Joshua. And so, Moses, quite humbly, even though he's still fit and able to lead, has to hand the baton on and I think that's a great lesson for us. A leader who still has the capacity but realises it's time to let somebody else lead and hands the baton on. And so, Moses, perhaps, is one of the great leaders of the, of the ancient uh, uh, Hebrews because of his great leadership, because of his bringing the law, but also because of his humility in his old age by realising it wasn't his task, it was Joshua's, and so he hands it on. And Joshua takes the lead, but notice how Joshua takes the lead before Moses dies. Joshua is actually anointed by Moses for the task and he calls the Hebrews together and in front of all the Hebrews, he actually anoints Joshua for the task. And so, Moses actually is handed on the leadership before they go into the Promised Land and it's now Joshua's task to work out how that task of entering into the Promised Land is going to take place. Moses creates the best possible conditions for Moses to succeed as the new leader of the ancient Hebrews. Joshua now has to rise to the task and he has to rise to the task with the words of Moses in his ears, be strong and courageous. He has to rise to the task knowing that the giants that the other spies 40 years earlier had seen, Joshua now has to lead this generation to take the land and fight those giants. He has to be strong and courageous and trust that God is going with them because God had been with Moses and Moses has now anointed Joshua and therefore God will be with Joshua. So, I suppose it kind of makes us think about why do we just study the life of Joshua? Is it just about understanding the Old Testament? Is it like like, is this a history book and we, we understand it and we kind of learn it like a history book? Well, in some ways, it's actually helpful for us to read the Old Testament and to study the Old Testament and understand it because it's God's story. And when we understand God's story, we understand that God has been faithful to His people for generation upon generation upon generation upon generation and so, God will be faithful to us. There's promises that God made to His people in the Old Testament and if we understand that God delivers on those promises, 
then we can understand if, if God's made promises to us, that we can uh, trust that God will be promised to us. But Joshua is also a significant transition point in the Old Testament, because just as Moses brought them out and formed them into a nation through the book of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, now in Deuteronomy, that's the, the transition and we hear in Joshua and onwards how the people go into the promised land and they take up this land. And by the time we get all the way to where Jesus is, they're people who own land, they're people who have land, but it's now occupied by the Roman Empire. And so land it becomes something that is part of the identity of the Israelites as they take it on the promised land. And the whole reason that we have this exodus, um, sorry, this exile, and this exile becomes really important is because once Joshua takes them into the promised land, forms them to the nation that they're meant to be, then staying on that land becomes really important. And when they get taken off with their unfaithfulness, that becomes pivotal. So if we understand how important land is to the ancient Israelites, then it's important for us to understand the significant role that Joshua has in the Old Testament story. But in some ways, Joshua is a foretaste of Jesus. Jesus is the one who leads God's people into a new covenant. Jesus detaches his disciples from land. In the church, the important part is not land, the important covenant is with a mission. And so Jesus is the one who leads people not into a promised land, but into a promise of eternity. And so just as Jesus leads people into something new, Joshua is an Old Testament figure who leads God's people into something new, into a land where they will become who God wants them to be. Just as Jesus leads the people, his disciples, into a new era, the church, where people will become who God has asked them to be, Joshua is a foretaste because Joshua is somebody who shows that God has a plan for his people and God puts leaders who will make things happen. And Joshua is a leader who can make things happen and we'll hear about that over the, the weeks ahead. Whilst Moses brought the law and Jesus comes to fulfil the law, Joshua leads people into a promise that God had for them and Jesus leads God's people into a promise that God has for his people. So Moses promised that God would be with him. And if you remember the Great Commission, Jesus promises the disciples that God would be with them. We hear throughout the Old Testament that God is with his people. And we hear in Jesus that through the church, God will be with his people. We're going to hear a lot over these next couple of weeks about land and about a whole lot of things about land. And whilst that's important for us to understand some of the ancient Hebrew history, the important thing here is to remember that God promised this land to his people. 
And there are other promises in the Old Testament. And Jesus makes a whole lot of promises. And so if we're to trust the promises of Jesus, it's helpful for us to understand the Old Testament where God promises something to his people and then God delivers on those promises. So when Jesus says, I will be with you always, we can hold that as a true promise because God, through the Old Testament, has been shown to be faithful. So as we look at this life of Joshua, I think this encouragement to be strong and courageous is a theme that we will hear time and time again. And I wonder if there's something that maybe you are called to be strong and courageous about. I wonder what that is for you. And I wonder whether you need to be praying consistently, not just once or twice, but over the long term. And I can, I can think about somebody in our parish um, who has been praying for a job almost the whole time that I've been here, 18 months. And this week he got a contract for a job. That's 18 months of prayer, being strong and courageous, not discouraged or afraid, but calling people to pray. Sometimes we, we, we pray quickly and, and we get discouraged. And so this theme of being strong and courageous is an important one for us. But I also think as a church, not just, not just St. Columns, but the church, I think we're at a transition point in church history because I think we've seen a lot of decline up to this point. And I think we're at a transition point where we can either think decline is the only option or we can be strong and courageous, not discouraged and afraid and see that Jesus said he would build his church and so maybe there's a future for us as a church. Not to be discouraged, not to be afraid, but to go into this big task of building the church for the next 15 years that will set up the future of the church, ready for that task and being courageous about that task. So that's my encouragement to us. Let me pray. Gracious God, we thank you for uh, your story that is revealed to us through the Old Testament. Lord, we pray that we don't just see this as history. We don't just see it as a, as a narrative but we actually see it as a promise that you made to a people and that you delivered on that promise. And we pray that that would make us courageous as we look at how you promised that you would build your church and therefore we can be strong and courageous as we build your church. And we make this prayer in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.